Welcome to Macro Monday on Investec Focus Radio SA, a podcast about what's driving global and local markets. I'm Chris Holdsworth, Chief Investment Strategist at Investec Wealth and Investment. Every Monday morning, I'll update you on key developments from the past week and what you need to know about the week ahead. If you'd prefer to watch a video with the graphs and charts I referred to in the podcast, just go to investec.com forward slash Macro Monday. Good morning. This week, we're going to have a look at a range of economic indicators that suggest that global growth continues to slow. We'll have a look at what potentially could be some good news on the inflation front later this week. And finally, we'll have a look at what the RAND's been doing relative to a basket of other currencies. We're going to start off on the global economic front. We get export data from China, South Korea and Taiwan ahead of other countries, and it gives us a lead gauge for what's happening on the global demand front. And the data coming from those countries continues to be fairly weak. Exports are up for South Korea, but they're down materially for China, down 6% year on year, and they're down materially for Taiwan too. And the broader picture out of these three countries suggests that global demand at this point is fairly weak. But that's not the only indicator suggesting that global demand is fairly weak. If we look at the global composite PMI, and that's a series that gives an indication of economic activity, any number above 50 indicates an economic expansion on a month-on-month basis. Any number below 50 indicates a month-on-month contraction. That number at the moment is at 50.0, suggesting that global growth stagnated in October. This series suggests that global growth was at 0% in October, and you can see that it's been in decline for a few months already. Of the countries that we track, the majority saw a decline in their PMI readings, and a large number on the left-hand side of this chart indicating that their numbers are below 50. So broadly speaking, there's a range of countries where economic activity is already weak and seems to be contracting further. The U.S. was a notable exception. The PMI data did pick up slightly, and but it's only marginally above 50. Brazil picked up quite materially on the back of very strong trade data, which is leading through to support for the rest of their economy. And the Indian PMI number is well above 50, but down nonetheless. Amongst the other countries, broadly speaking, we're looking at pretty weak numbers that are lower than they were the month before. The good news, though, is that there's absolutely no sign of sort of global supply chain pressures that led to that initial surge in inflation that we saw a couple of years ago. Global supply chain pressures are are sitting at below zero based on this index. And what that means is that we're seeing prices come down, we're seeing delay times come down too. Broadly speaking, if you order something now, it will be delivered in less time than it would typically take and at a lower cost too. And the reason we look at this series is it suggests that goods price inflation is likely to be low over the short to medium term. So we're seeing declining economic activity. The knock-on consequence of that, though, is going to be reduced demand, reduced inflation, and ultimately that will allow the Fed to cut rates and provide some degree of support. Switching to China, Chinese inflation at the moment is very low. It was a minus 0.2%. It's the second month in a row it's surprised on the downside. And you can see that Chinese inflation has been low for some time now. The central bank target is around 3%. So they've got a very different problem from most of the rest of the globe. Their inflation is too low. And if you look at PPI inflation in China, it's currently running at minus 2.5%. We know that PPI inflation is a key leading indicator for CPI inflation. So in effect, we should be penciling in low CPI inflation in China for the foreseeable future. And in effect, what that means is that the Chinese authorities have monetary space to provide support. They can cut rates, they can cut required reserve ratios further. We don't have that sort of space in the US at the moment, nor in Europe. And what that means is the Chinese authorities are likely to be more rapid 
in their response to a global slowdown in economic growth than the US authorities or the European authorities. And that's quite helpful for countries that export to China, like South Africa. Switching back to the US, the key issue at the moment is that banks are tightening their lending standards. It's no surprise, given the deteriorating economic environment and the pressures that we're seeing at the low end, that banks would react. They're tightening their lending standards, and we know when banks tighten their lending standards, five quarters later, we see a material decline in lending. There's no real surprise in that. And given what banks have already done in terms of tightening their lending standards over the past year or so, we would expect that commercial loans at this point would start to be flat year on year, and within the not-too-distant future, they're going to start to go down year on year. And within about five quarters' time from now, we would expect to see commercial loans down around 10 to 15% or so in the U.S. It's very difficult to see how the U.S. avoids a recession in that environment. So the economic data at the moment is weak. We expect it to weaken further over the coming five quarters. At some point in those five quarters, the Fed will have space to be able to cut, but they don't have it at the moment. We're seeing other forms of strain in the U.S. If you look, for example, at credit card rates, the average rate on a credit card at the moment in the U.S. is sitting at 22%. It's exorbitantly expensive to be late on paying your credit card at the moment in the U.S. And as a result of that, no surprise, we're seeing consumer credit slow. Now, all of this is as a result of higher rates from the Fed. And the Fed themselves recognize that interest rates are quite restrictive at this point in the U.S. And as a result, we know that at some point, they're going to cut. The clock is ticking on that. It's just a question of when. The market expects a cut to occur around middle of next year. We think it's likely to be a bit earlier in around Q1. Switching to the fixed income market in the US, it's been a very tough time for fixed income investors in the US. The total drawdown for treasuries is sitting at around 17%. So treasuries now sitting at about 17% below the previous high. If we look at the last 50 years, that's been unprecedented. This is supposed to be the safe haven component of a portfolio, and it's taken a very sizable knock. If we look at it in real terms instead of normal terms, then we have seen something like this once before, back in the early 80s. But outside of that, this is pretty unprecedented. And what that means is going into an economic slowdown in the US, we now have much higher yields in US treasuries than we've become accustomed to over the last 20 years. So this asset, which typically provides protection during recessions, is now much cheaper than it normally would be going into a recession. And as a result, we are overweight US fixed income. Just on the inflation front, we do have a US CPI reading coming out tomorrow. The consensus view is that inflation will decline from 37 to 3.3%. We think the number is likely to come in slightly below that. Our model forecast is at 3.1%. That again provides the avenue for the Fed ultimately to come to provide some support. So we expect that inflation is coming down. We expect it's coming down more rapidly than the market expects. And that's one of the reasons why we expect that the Fed will likely be able to provide support from around March next year, which means that our concern for the US equity market is short dated. We expect that there'll be a slowdown. We expect it'll affect markets. But in the not too distant future, we also expect that the Fed will start to be able to come to the rescue. In this environment of patchy to weak economic data, the RAND has been unusually strong. It's strengthened relative to the dollar. It's strengthened relative to our major trading partners over the past three months as well. And there are a couple of reasons for SA-specific RAND strength. We saw a timeline with regards to getting off the grade list in the medium-term budget policy statement. The medium-term budget policy statement by itself was fairly pragmatic. South Africa wasn't removed from AGOA, 
and the electricity situation has been improving as well. And all of that has contributed to the RAND doing relatively well over the past three months. But that doesn't mean the RAND is likely to strengthen much over the next couple of months. We are entering into this environment of weaker economic data that's typically associated with dollar strength and RAND weakness. So while we do expect that the RAND in 12 months' time will be stronger than it currently trades at, over the next couple of months, we think the RAND is likely to remain weak given the deteriorating global economic backdrop. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. That's all for this episode. Do tune in next week for more investment insights from me, Chris Holdsworth, and the Investec Wealth and Investment team. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, you can subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you listen. And please take a minute to rate our podcast so we can surface this content to the broader investment community. If you want to see the graphs that are referenced in the podcast, you can watch a video version of this recording at investec.com forward slash macromonday. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment International and should not be taken as advice, guidance or recommendation. Investec Wealth and Investment International, a member of the JSC Equity, Equity Derivatives, Currency Derivatives, Bond Derivatives and Interest Rate Derivatives Markets, an authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.